You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Happy day and welcome back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Attached, the book that I have been reading and falling in love with. And it was also mentioned in the episode that I did with Mark Groves. We talked about different attachment styles but I ended up getting the book and I'm going to be talking about the three different attachment styles in more detail today so that you can get a better idea about the book better idea about attachment styles and how you can find and keep love by knowing what kind of style you have and what kind of people you should not be with and find out what you are and if you're already married or you're in a serious relationship find out how you can communicate with your partner who is the opposite type of attachment style to make things work to soothe your anxiety to soothe your uh, independence if you feel threatened by that whatever it is whatever you find out that you are this book is going to help you with it before we head on over there here is the review of the week this comes from Ali Sko, she says, powerful podcast with five stars. I found this podcast at a time I was just getting into affirmations and visualization, and it couldn't have been more perfect timing. Maddie is honest, real, and so energizing. I love the variety of topics she covers, but that her main purpose is clear. Real, actionable help on how to live out your best life. Thank you, Maddie. I wish we could be friends in real life. Me, dose. I would love that. I wish I could be friends with all of you guys in real life. But anytime I ever travel, y'all just shout out to me and let me know if you're in those cities because I would love to get together. But thank you for your sweet and kind words. Today's episode is sponsored by Plum Deluxe Tea, which is a incredible $10 a month monthly subscription tea package where you'll receive hand-blended, all-organic, loose-leaf tea thoughtfully chosen for this season. Tea Club members also enjoy special benefits like gift swaps, free shipping on all purchases, and access to a very loving tea community. A tea subscription also makes a fantastic gift. If you have a mom who has a birthday coming up or Mother's Day or whatever it may be, check out Plum Deluxe subscriptions because, I mean, once you get to a certain age, I feel like gifts, you're like, what am I going to get them? But have you ever gotten your mom or a friend a monthly tea subscription gift? And even if you just pay for the first three months, you can do that and then let them take over from there. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, but their teas are incredible. They're organic, fair trade, um, fresh every single week. One of the few tea subscriptions where caffeine-free is actually an option if you need that. And so if you want to 
take part in this, all you got to do is go over to the link that I have included in the show notes for this. You can go to plumdeluxe.com. But if you do sign up for the club by May 1st, you'll get a free bag of self-care tea in your first packet by putting in the words Maddie Moon Insider in the How You Heard About Us box. So head on over there if you're like a tea fanatic and you want to get your tea game on or want to get your friend's tea game on because I highly recommend them. I love it. That's all the announcements for today. So let's go ahead and start talking about Attached. I've got a lot of notes for this book, so I'm really going to focus in right now and just center myself and make it the goal to explain this as best as I can. But please keep in mind that this is a book that I am trying to summarize and give you the most important parts in my opinion. But if you want to go deeper, which I highly recommend you do, get the book attached. The link is in the show notes in this episode. Uh, It's written by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. So I will make sure that I have that link in the show notes for this episode so you can check it out. But we're going to get started by talking about the three different attachment styles. So that includes secure, anxious, and avoidant. The secure person is someone that is comfortable with closeness and comfortable with intimacy and they have great communication. They're an effective communicator. The anxious is someone that seeks closeness and intimacy but ultimately fears that they're either not worthy of it or they'll never get enough of it and they're usually not the best communicators because of this anxiety that kind of takes over. And then there's the avoidant who feels like intimacy and closeness is a threat to their independence. So they try to avoid too much intimacy and closeness. And sometimes this can be included in sex. Sometimes this can be included just being emotionally available. Uh, Many different ways that you can be avoided. Many different ways you can be anxious. And many ways you can be secure. So they, just to be clear, these different attachment styles have various originations. It's not just the way that you were raised, but that can play a very big part. There were studies done where they they did different tests with babies where mom would walk out of the room and then come back. And so for some children, when the mom left the room, they would get they would look around, they would look concerned, they would maybe start crying, but then when the mom came back in, they were calm and they were good. Everything was fine. They went back to playing with their toys that they were provided with. Then there were babies where when the mom left, they would panic, they would cry, the mom would walk back in and they would cling on to them. They would attach to them. And those were the anxious. Those are the anxious styles. So whenever that manifests as an adult, that would be the anxious adult attachment style. And then there were the babies where when the mom walked out, the baby didn't even notice. And when the mom walked back in, continued to not notice. And those typically, it has shown, end up being more of the avoidant type, which is very fascinating. But that's not to say that this does not change. This cannot be uh, worked on or worked around if you're if you're anxious and you want to learn how to become more secure which was the first baby example you can become more secure by getting this book and reading all these tools listening to what I have to say in this podcast but actually putting the information into practice and if you're avoidant it's the same deal it's the same thing as learning to not see intimacy and closeness as a threat and also learn how to communicate with your partner especially if you have an anxious partner now one of the things I love the most in this book is at the beginning they pointed out that A lot of talk around the first half of the 20th century, as well as now, is that your happiness, it's told time and time again, your happiness should come from within, 
and should not be dependent on your partner. And I'm reading this verbatim right now. Your well-being is not their responsibility and theirs is not yours. Your person, sorry, each person needs to look after himself or herself. In addition, you should learn not to allow your inner peace to be disturbed by the person you were closest to. The basic premise underlying this point of view is that the ideal relationship is one between two self-sufficient people who unite in a mature, respectful way while maintaining their clear boundaries. If you develop a strong dependency on your partner, you are deficient in some way and are advised to work on yourself to become more differentiated and develop a greater sense of self. The worst possible scenario here in this case is that you will end up needing your partner. These types of views can be misleading and even damaging when applied indiscriminately to all relationships. Numerous studies show that once we become attached to someone, the two of us form one physiological unit. One partner regulates our blood pressure, our heart rate, our breathing, and the levels of hormones in our blood. We are no longer separate entities. The emphasis on differentiation that is held by most of today's popular psychology approach is to adult relationships does not hold water from a biological perspective. Dependency is a fact. It is not a choice or preference. Oh my goodness. Okay, end quote. I loved this. I loved when I read this because on a biological standpoint, just to summarize this, on a biological standpoint, our partners regulate our blood pressure, our heart rate, our breathing, all of these different things. So whenever we're receiving messages saying from the media, you need to complete yourself, no one else completes you, they're only an addition, you don't need anyone, you can want them, but you can't need them. If your partner bothers you or does all these things that are against your beliefs or morals, let them be free, let go, doesn't even matter. Seek happiness within yourself, be everything you need to be. Biologically, this does not work. Now, in the episode I did with David Finch where we were talking about one of the greatest gifts you can give your partners to just be themselves, I feel that that is slightly different from what we're talking about now. What we're talking about now is more about the self-help world saying you need to be everything that you can possibly be for yourself and forget what your partner is doing. Just continue to complete yourself so that you don't have expectations. That is different from what me and David Finch were saying. I think what what me and David were saying was more along the lines of if, if your partner and you have codependency problems, one of the best ways to fix it is to let them go do something that they love, that excites them. What we're saying here is if you start to realize that your partner is doing things that cause you anxiety or stress or tears or anger, you can't just ignore it and say, be everything that you need to be and don't rely on another person. It is biologically not possible. So if you feel like you keep receiving these messages saying, what I, everything I've been saying, like the, the, the self-helpy kind of advice to be everything that you want in a partner and it doesn't really sit right with you and it's kind of been hard for you to do, that's why. So don't feel bad for feeling like you are in some ways dependent on your partner or if you're single, you've been dependent on your partner in the past or they've been dependent on you. So if you have a belief around that, it's time to shed that story. Shed the story that dependency in a relationship is bad. There are different types of dependency. 
I am not saying that if your partner doesn't go hiking, uh, if your partner goes hiking, you have to go with them. Like, that's different. You can still appreciate that they go do their stuff. This is more an emotional basis. We're talking about emotional needs that are not getting fed. And maybe the opposite is happening where you're emotionally feeling destructive and hurt. That's where we're going. So the first one I want to talk about, the first adult attachment style is anxious. If you're anxious, which I will help you realize soon if you are or or you are not, I want you to first take, take away this. This is very important. If you have had needs and relationships in the past and you have felt needy for them, don't feel needy for them anymore. There is nothing wrong with having needs. It does not make you needy, especially for an anxious person. If you are with the opposite and avoidant, then they have potentially made you feel needy in the past for having needs because maybe they don't understand those needs, but it does not make you needy. Here are some things to look at to see if you might be anxious. You might be anxious if you are always thinking about your partner and you have difficulty concentrating on other things or you remember only their good qualities and you push aside a lot of the bad ones. You put them on a pedestal, underestimating your own talents and abilities and overestimating theirs. This is a good one. Believing that this is your only chance of love. Maybe you get into a relationship and it feels good, so you automatically just say no to all the other dates. Or you don't, you don't get into a relationship. You just go on a first date with someone. And you automatically say no to everyone else because you're kind of just clinging on. Oh, we laughed. We smiled. He's got a job. He doesn't live with his parents. He's good. This is my only chance at love. And believing that even though you're unhappy, you better not let go because you, you still need to work on it. You're not happy, but it could, you could be happy later. You better not let go. This is your only chance at love. This part hit home to me, these attachment style activations. So if your attachment style gets activated, these are some of the ways that you protest. They're called protest behaviors. Excessive attempts to reestablish contact. Calling them, texting them, emailing them, and whenever you're not doing that, you're thinking about doing that or wondering where they are or why they're not responding to your emails, your calls, your texting. Withdrawing. So if you're with them in person, you are ignoring them or being silent. Keeping score. So paying attention to who's made the most attempts to reach out. Acting hostile. Rolling your eyes, looking away, leaving leaving the room when they're talking. Threatening to leave. I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I don't deserve this. I I can't be in this relationship. Manipulations, which means acting busy or unapproachable, ignoring their texts, saying you have plans when you actually don't, making him feel jealous. So going out to a friend's single bar, singles bar, or saying you have something going on that you know will trigger him into jealousy. So one of the reasons why it's very important that if you're listening to this and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm kind of anxious, you should not be dating avoidance is because the basic premise of what avoidance do, it constantly triggers your attachment style. And what I found very interesting is that after your attachment style has been triggered a lot and activated a lot and it's constantly being stimulated 
And let's say you've been dating an avoidant for a long time or you've been dating many different avoidants over a few years, you will start to confuse the ups and downs and the roller coaster of being drawn into the relationship then pushed back out because they're being avoided and it's making you anxious and it's making you worry and then and then they say something just perfect enough to reel you back in you start to confuse that roller coaster ride for passion so you begin to think that the ups and downs of being pulled and pushed away that's just typical passion that's love that's what love is so Whenever you're in a going on a first date and you're with someone who doesn't trigger that at all, might not be so much of a mystery, is very available, they're very there, they say things that don't worry you, don't scare you, or don't push you away, it might seem kind of boring. And then you might even think that, well, the, the attraction isn't there. But that's not true. That's not true at all. It just means you're with a secure person. There's no roller coaster ride. And so a lot of times you you might continue to date these people on first dates and then not follow up with a second date because you think that attraction isn't really there. You didn't feel the roller coaster, so you think there's no passion. But that is not true. You've just been having a attachment. You've been having your attachment style be activated for so long that you've become confused. So here is some dating advice for the anxious person. Acknowledge and accept your relationship needs. Do not feel guilty or for thinking that your, your needs make you needy. Own them. Own those needs. If you have them, own them. That's happened to me in relationships where I have had needs. I have spoken them. The other person didn't understand them because they were avoidant. And then I automatically felt like the relationship was threatened and I felt bad and I felt guilty and I felt needy. No, 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 no. Recognize your needs because they are there for a reason. Rule out avoidance if you're anxious early on in the dating experience by looking for smoking guns. That's what they're called in the book. So some examples of that is they send mixed messages about their commitments. They long for the ideal relationship. They desperately want to meet the one. They might even suggest early on you are too needy or sensitive or you're overreacting. If you say things that are bothering you, it's very dismissive. They just dismiss it or they move it on or they deflect a question you ask. They address your concerns as in, as in a way of fact, not feelings. So they argue with fact instead of feelings. Um, and even if you try and try and try to get your message across in different ways, it doesn't get across. So the best advice for you in this instance is to start being authentic at the beginning. Use effective communication at the beginning. You're no longer, this is a paradigm shift here. I no longer want you to think like, oh, this is my only chance at love. I have to make sure that I keep it by being the right person for him. By toning down my needs, by toning down my voice, be the right person for him. No, 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 no. You need to make sure that this person can meet your needs, not the other way around. You are deserving of the exact love that you need. So this is where you adopt that abundance philosophy. You're finding one of the ones. There's not, there's not one person for you. There are many ones for you. Many people can make you happy. It's totally true. We're raised to think that there's like this one Prince Charming out there and like we get so scared that he's actually in Russia and we'll never find him and we start getting depressed before we even start the dating experience. But the truth is you have many ones and they're constantly around you. They're surrounding you. It doesn't take an insanely unique person to make most people happy. Chances are 
you will find someone that jives with your beliefs, has maybe enough differences to keep you interested, is funny, y'all can laugh together, they're financially stable, they are independent, but also dependent, and there you go. And that person, chances are, will be a secure person. So remember, if you're dating someone at the beginning and it seems kind of boring, stick it out for a bit. You might just, your activation, your adult attachment might not be activated anymore and it feels weird. Feels like something's missing. There's that oomph missing, that passion, but it's not. It's the roller coaster is gone. So your heart rate is steady and it's kind of worrying you that something's missing here, but it's not. So if you go on these first dates and they kind of seem boring and level-headed and keep giving it a try, keep trying it out, keep dating and see where it goes because you might start to really appreciate this feeling of easiness and security. Okay, so now I want to talk about avoidance. So there's a reason why many people end up with avoidance. Here, here's what it is. Secure people generally find and keep love quickly early on. They find other secure people. So this could happen in high school, early 20s, mid-20s, or early 30s, but they find another secure partner. They feel comfortable with intimacy and closeness, so they're, they're there. They stay there. So secure people are rarely in the dating pool if they ever are in the dating pool. So avoidance, they are not with other avoidance. They don't have any glue to keep this relationship together. None. So they might try at the beginning because they have a sexual attraction, but very quickly on, they both of them are looking to avoid the closeness and intimacy, so they don't stay together. No one's reaching out to the other person. So who are the avoidance dating? They are dating most likely, the anxious. And each person gets receives a confirmation of what they fear. Avoidance receive when they're with an anxious person. Um, they receive the feedback. Their fear is that being with someone will threaten my independence and being too intimate will threaten my, um, my independence. And so whenever they're with an anxious person, that's what they get because they're with someone that is constantly trying to pull them in, pull them in, pull them in. And then the anxious person is getting exactly what they fear, that they fear that they'll, they'll never be worthy or deserve the intimacy and closeness that they want. And when they end up with, a, with avoidance, that's exactly what they get. People that are constantly walking away and reaffirming their belief that they are not worth the love. So if you're dating a lot of avoidance and you're anxious this is why there's many avoidance in the pool and so if you're listening to this and you're like well I am an avoidant am I always going to be in this pool heck to the no this is your first thing this is the first step is like realizing what this pattern is and ask yourself I invite you to ask yourself where do you think this got started in your life why do you think you fear intimacy and closeness and why do you think it might be a threat to your independence because it is not. You can still be a self-reliant person and be dependent on another person. It requires you to open your heart though. It requires you to allow yourself to feel your barriers come down. And I, I invite you also to get involved more with community here community, get involved with dating, get involved with workshops and heart opening ceremonies and anything you think that might get you out of your comfort zone. Even acro yoga, which I am a huge fan of, it causes you immediately to, to create some intimacy with a person because you're 
stretching with them. You're holding hands. They're holding you up on their feet. Like you're creating this intimacy. So even little things that'll help you get closer to people in general. It doesn't have to be a date, but just people in general. Because I know deep down you do not want to be avoidant and on your own forever. And even in this book, it says that avoidance are, the studies have shown that they are the least happy. They are constantly trying to protect the sanctity of their independence and they avoid love. They avoid rich, deep, true love out of fear that it will be taken for them. And I can say you can have this independent, especially like think about the example of the conversation I had with David Finch recently and how he is off doing his own thing, mountain biking. And his wife said, I give you the freedom to do that. I give you the freedom to go do what you love. I'm not going to ask you what time you're home, blah, blah, blah. That is giving your partner independence so you can still have this in a relationship. So if you're wondering, am I avoidant? You might be avoidant if you always find something wrong with your current partner. You're always looking for reasons why they're wrong, going from one reason to the next. This isn't working because of this. You're always comparing them to an ex. You're always thinking about how they weren't as good as your ex was at this or this. And you feel threatened by the closeness in a relationship. Maybe even sexually you feel threatened whenever y'all are together in that kind of way. Or you worry that the closer you get intimately, uh, the less self-reliant you will be, which is not true. You're not automatically, poof, just going to fall into this situation where you can't brush your own teeth and you can't find your way to work and you can't keep your job and you can't put, um, put, you can't put bacon on the table, whatever that phrase is. Like you, you're not, that's not going to happen. You're still going to be who you are. You're just going to be sharing the experiences, the human experience, what this whole world is all about, the human connection. You're just going to be sharing it intimately with another person. They're not taking anything from you. They're giving it to you. So here are some tips, things you can do to stop pushing this love away. Learn to identify deactivating strategies. Learn what the things are that make you want to deactivate the closeness, the intimacy. What is it? Once you know something, you can never not know it. So learn to identify your deactivating strategies. So for an anxious, you get, you are activated. Your adult attachment style is activated. Like you're being electrocuted. And then with the avoidant, it is being deactivated. It is turning off the relationship pounce factor, your desire to pounce on another person because you just want them so badly that gets deactivated the next thing is de-emphasize self-reliance and focus on mutual support stop focusing so much on the self-reliance aspect and focus in this relationship on having support and respect for each other you can support each other and still be a fully functioning human being with your own thoughts ideas and motivations and inspirations Next thing, you need to find a secure partner, someone who is not going to reaffirm this terrifying belief you have that the more intimate you are with someone, the less independent you are. So that would be an anxious. So what you want to find is a secure partner who can give you space when you need it, understand it. They don't overanalyze whenever you need space. They don't freak out when you need space and contact you over and over and over and over and over again. Find a secure partner that can give you that space, respects it, understands it, and will be there for you. Be aware of your tendency to misinterpret behaviors. So you might start thinking that certain behaviors mean one thing when really they are a different a different thing at all. So if someone is reaching out to you 
over and over, it really might just be that they are an anxious person. It doesn't really say much about you, but you might interpret that as they don't trust me, they don't appreciate me, they don't respect me. That's not what it is. So be aware of those tendencies to misinterpret the behaviors. Make a relationship gratitude list. That's another one. Like find things you're grateful for every single day. This is going to start training your brain to focus on the good things and not the bad things because that's just how you might be wired right now is to focus on the bad things because they are your escape route. That's your coping mechanism. So consciously make these gratitude lists. Make your brain think about all the wonderful things. And so you can learn more about the avoidant also inside of the book, of course. Plenty more if you're relating to that. But now I'm going to move on to secure. So I posted something on Instagram the other day where I included all of these wonderful qualities about secure people. But here is a combination. Here are some of them. They are great conflict busters. They are mentally flexible. They are effective communicators. They are not game players. They are comfortable with closeness and unconcerned about boundaries. Quick to forgive. Inclined to view sex and emotional intimacy as one. They treat their partners like royalty. They're secure in their power to improve the relationship and they are responsible for their partner's well-being, which is one of my favorites. They know their well-being, their partner's well-being is their own well-being. They are one of the same. I love that kind of mentality. I once dated someone, I was actually one, my, one of my longest boyfriends, he would always say, you're a reflection of me. And I loved that. It was so close. It was so intimate. It's like, I want to prepare you for your day and I want to motivate you and inspire you and help you and support you because you are a reflection of me. That's another me walking around. Like we are one in the same. And I love that because there is so much talk about you're different, you're separate entities, like be your own person. And while that's beautiful too, I like to combine them. I like to combine the two theories of thought that we are one in the same. We are reflections, but we are also different and we respect each other's differences. So here is how you can find a secure partner if you're anxious or you're avoidant. And this is why it's so important to find a secure partner is because if you're anxious, your anxiety goes away. You stop being such an anxious partner. Your your activated style is not activated anymore. So basically you become secure as well. And if you are avoidant, then the same thing happens. That that thing stops getting deactivated because you're not with someone that's constantly trying to threaten that belief that intimacy is wrong for you so you're with a secure and you stop being avoidant and here's the good news secures are the majority of the population they are while even though I said they're not always in the dating pool they are in the dating pool for whatever reason things happen and they have to get out of relationships maybe two secure people just realize they are going on a different path and they just want to go on separately that can happen so those secures two more secures end up back in the dating pool So they are in the dating pool and they do make up the majority of the population. I from I am I am secure. I am a secure example and I'm in the dating pool. I will say that when I am with a avoidant, I can lean more towards the anxious. So and I don't even know necessarily. Yeah, I think I think it would be more towards the anxious because when I took the test on the book, I ranked the highest on secure and then next was anxious and then zero on avoidant so I have zero 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 tendencies to be avoidant I'm a very emotionally vulnerable open book person even with thousands of you listeners I am very available emotionally like I'm giving y'all my heart and soul every single day and I'm the same way in a relationship I'm very open I'm very available but I also um feel very secure in myself and what I want so I do lean more towards secure but I can become anxious when I'm with an avoidant 
which is why it's the ultimate goal to continue to find more secure people like me. Okay, so finding a secure partner right away, you want to make sure you can spot those smoking guns and treat them like deal breakers. So if someone's always talking about their phantom ex, that person that they long for, or the ideal relationship, or what they need, or this or that, treat those as deal breakers. If someone is giving you mixed signals, immediately just say, no, I don't need that. If you're an anxious person, say, I don't need that. If you're avoidant and you notice that you're with, you're dating an anxious person and it's not healthy for you, then be able to spot that right away. Effectively communicate your day one, your needs from day one. This is so important. So I will say my mother taught me at a very young age to always be a mystery. And this is, this is interesting. She would always tell me to be a mystery with men. Never tell them exactly what's going on. Always be a mystery. Like they want to know more about me because I'm, I'm so much of an enigma. And while that seemed to work for my mother, it didn't seem to work for me. It's actually the complete opposite. And it's really damaging to be this way at the beginning of a relationship. So if I'm always trying to act like a mystery, I'm, I'm going to be attracting the avoidant because that's what they want. They want someone that's not always touching base and telling them what they're up to. That's exactly what they want. So that's what I get. So if you can tell, I'm kind of passionate about this because it's just connecting so many dots here. So if you have been trying to be more of a mystery, not letting them know everything you're doing and what you're up to and blah, 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 and it's not really your nature, your nature is to be an open book and to tell them and to communicate often, do that from the start. Set them up to make sure they're dating someone that's good for them and you're dating someone that can meet your needs so if this whole playing games being a mystery type of thing doesn't work for you and it's not the true you let it go now be authentically you from the start next thing I want you to do is subscribe to the belief that there really are many people out there that can make you happy not just one it's crazy like I've I've started to have this realization that there are people in my apartment building that could probably make me happy there are people across the street that could make me happy. There are probably thousands of people just in Boulder that could make me happy. There are people all over the world. So I have let go of this belief of there's only the one, there's this one, because it makes me get anxious before I even start the process. So I want you to subscribe to the belief that there are many potential partners for you. And then the last one that I will mention is to always be expecting to be retreated, treated with respect. Don't think that you just, that you're so used to maybe, maybe you're so used to one type of partner that you think that's what you deserve, but you don't deserve that. You deserve to be retreated with respect and love and admiration and support. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I am an avoidant and I'm with an anxious, or I am an anxious and I'm with an avoidant, please know that there is hope for this. This is not the end of your relationship because, oh my God, everything's crashing in. Like I said, you are reaffirming what you already believe in this relationship. So now the goal is to undo that belief that is being reaffirmed. And how you do this is with effective communication. You both need to understand the other person's attachment st style, know that their style isn't about you, but see how you can come to agreements and communicate effectively without getting into protesting behaviors. If it takes a while for your avoidant partner to come around, answer your text, answer your calls, don't go into your protesting behaviors and avoiding them or making plans with other people to get them back. Keep your heart open, stay deeply available to love you do your part. So even if they're not doing these per things perfectly because they have a lot of fear and stuff that they're working through, you continue to not 
put up those boundaries and do these protesting behaviors and vice versa. If your partner get, gets very, very, very anxious and they start to do these protest behaviors because you didn't respond, you keep your clear head, stay level-headed, know that you're doing this for the sanctity of the relationship and you be available to them. You listen to them or you let them protest if they need to, but maybe try to communicate with them the mutual goal to find respect and support for each other. Here, I want you to get the book. I'm not going to go deep into helping cure this avoidant anxious trap but the book will give you all of these stories about couples that have made it work and I highly recommend that you go through it now if you are going through a breakup right now and it is tough the last thing I'm going to say in this podcast episode is that yes it is in the book it mentions how when you break a leg the part of the brain that lights up it is the same part of the brain that lights up when you go through a breakup that's why it's so painful and as as an anxious person especially you're going to want to go back many times you're going to want to do everything you can to re-glue create that intimacy again because that's your that becomes your number one primal instinct is to create the intimacy again, fix the pain, fix the pain, make it happen. That becomes all you can see. You know, whenever people say they're mad, all they see is red or whatever. All you see is intimacy and that's all you want. So if you reach out to this ex when you're going through a breakup, do not feel bad. One of the worst things that can happen is you actually feel guilt and shame for reaching back out to a person that you are breaking up with feeling weak, feeling needy, feeling guilty. And don't tell people this if you know they're going to make you feel that way. If you have people in your life where you're going to say, oh, I texted him, and they're going to say, oh my gosh, what? You shouldn't have done that. They're going to contribute to the shame that you probably already have underneath there. And that's going to make you want to go to your partner even more to fix the shame, to fix the feeling of shame. So that's going to influence you to want to text them even more so. It's crazy how it happens, but it's true. So if you do reach back out and you're anxious, it's okay. It's all right. So I've done some chats about this, about going through a breakup, but I actually have a blog post about things you can do when you're going through a breakup. I will include that in the show notes for this episode so you can check that out if you are going through a breakup. But if you are or if you are not, I highly recommend you get this book, read it. I have the link in the show notes for this episode. It's fantastic. But I hope you enjoyed this as a little guide uh, a little summary actually I included a lot of information in this so here is your summary of the three adult attachment styles I hope you enjoyed this and you gained a lot of out of it if you are one of these styles that is not secure please don't feel broken please don't feel frustrated or like there's so much you need to change or work on in my point of view, it's not so much about changing who you are, but finding the right person that's going to meet your needs. And then whenever you're with a secure person, those that style, that tendency will glide away. You will feel secure. You will no longer have these worries or underlying beliefs that you're either not worthy of love or that intimacy and closeness will threaten your sense of being. Being with a secure person will help you with this. So learn as much as you can about what it looks like to be with a secure partner how to identify these secure partners early on and know what your triggers are. Be careful to not confuse roller coaster rides of emotion with passion and be careful not to confuse people who are seeking closeness with you to be a threat to you. Like I said, if you want more insight and information, you can go to the show notes for this to get all of the detailed show notes about this episode for episode 150 where we talk all about attached and if you want to try plum deluxe tea which i really hope you do because it's fantastic you can get that 
also on the show notes for this. And I hope you guys have a freaking fantastic rest of your week. And I will talk to you soon. Oh, 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 oh,